0: Hello, and welcome to the Urban Dharma NC podcast. In this sixth part of a series, Dorje Lopan Dr. Hanlai teaches about the songs of Milarepa, the 11th century Tibetan saint who reached the ultimate state of awakening. The presentation of these profound songs is integrated with teachings on the Guru Yoga of Milarepa Sadhana in order to introduce a more contemplative and experience-based approach to practicing this liturgy. Urban Dharma is a Buddhist temple in the heart of Asheville, North Carolina. We are supported by your generosity and by our online store, TibetanSpirit.com. To learn more about us, come visit our temple in person, or look us up online at UDharmaNC.com. Thanks for listening. The next uh, of the Milareba songs that we're going to look at is called the Song of Nine Meanings. So there's nine sections to this one. Starting on page three of the songs book, not the sadhana book. Oh, yeah. so the story there's a story behind this song of nine meanings uh, as I said Milarepa uh, did not have an easy uh, way to let people know that he's a religious person living on the generosity of others so he went about uh, when he could when he was up in retreat in the mountains he mostly ate nettles so that's why there's a lot of representations of Milarepa has his um, complexion uh, blue-green because it's said that he ate so much nettles stinging nettles that his skin turned blue-green um, uh, just to point out in the sadhana it says that he is uh, kind of reddish white in complexion right? so slightly different from the usual and for those of you who are familiar with Milarepa sadhanas uh, another kind of unusual characteristic is that it's said that uh, he holds a skull cup yeah, in his left hand and in his right hand he's holding a loft a Um, Vajra like that so he has a slightly different uh, form he's he's sitting like that Um, so here um, so he was uh, then when he came down to the village uh, whether he's traveling or he's meeting people when he came down to the village, uh, then he had to beg for food. And so one day, he came into the house of one house in the village, and there was nobody there, and so he walked, you know, into the courtyard of the house, and there was nobody there, so she, he walked further inside to try to find somebody. <coughs> and suddenly, an old lady this old elderly woman but feisty with a lot of energy comes barging out of the house and shoving the you know, out and started to accuse him uh, for being a thief because he could sort of look like one i'm unkempt hair dirty you know, probably smelly <coughs> although you don't smell that easy in Tibet, actually, because the air is so dry. <laughs> so you can go for years without showering and um, not much smell. But nonetheless, it's quite obvious this is not a, quote-unquote, respectable, respectable member of society, of polite society. So she started yelling at him and say, are you trying to rob uh, my daughter-in-law's jewelry uh, coming into our house like that, and Milarepa said, "No, no, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a yogi, meaning a religious practitioner, and I just need some food." And so then she continued to yell at him and say, "You no good, you know, yogis, um, not contributing to society." Uh, cheating other people's food uh, and just being a lazy bum. Uh, You know, probably he was young too, Milarepa, you know. It's like, you know, why don't you go get a job, right? Um, She just yelled at him. And then he said, in typical Milarepa style, she starts singing. (laughs) This is where all these songs come from. And so, he said to her, Are you done yelling? She did not answer. He said, Let me sing you a song. And this is the song that he sang. Above are the pleasures of the higher realms, Below the miseries of the three lower realms. In between, your helplessness to choose your destiny. When these three conditions convene, Grandma, look at the movings in your heart. You are an angry woman who detests the Dharma. Really, you should practice the Dharma by relying on a qualified Lama. When you were first betrothed to this family, did you ever dream you'd become an old nanny goat? <laughs> you know, he... he, he not even, you know, read all these songs and stories. He, he had a way with his words, you know. And he, sometimes he's funny, sometimes he's biting, you know. here a mix of both, you know. Yeah. So here he's saying, you know. So within in our Buddhist cosmology, we say there are six realms of existence within the cycle of confusion that we call samsara. And um, and these six can be basically divided into the three higher realms and the three lower realms. Human beings belong to one of the three higher realms. Where there is relatively more leisure and pleasure than there is suffering and misery. Then obviously the three lower realms is where is predominantly suffering. The three lower realms are the hell realms, the hungry spirits realm, and the animal realm. The three higher realms are the realm of humans, demigods, and gods. But each of these six realms, they have their relative happiness and suffering, but they also have predominant qualities of afflictions. So for example, it said that beings in the hell realms are predominantly occupied with, tortured by, Uh, constantly perpetuating uh, ill-will, hatred, and anger. Uh, So you can think of these as states of mind and states of existence, regardless of what kind of body you have. If you are tortured and controlled by your anger, your resentment, your hatred, your ill-will, then for all intents and purposes, you are in the hell realms. Uh, you are in the, in, and then in the realm of hungry spirits, uh, it's um, um, the kind of hunger, the kind of want and, and desire that cannot be quenched. In the animal realm, it's said that they are controlled by uh, ignorance. But here, you know, we're not talking about uh, that they are not as smart as we humans. In many ways, if you observe right, the animal world, of course, in this system, humans are not part of the animal world. Is how you categorize things. Uh, that uh, in the animal world... Um, um, we know, you know, in many ways, they are way smarter than we humans are. <clears throat> but here when they say that they are controlled by ignorance, I really what it's saying is that they have no power over inborn instincts. Yeah? A tiger has no choice, to, is incapable, doesn't have the liberty of saying From today onwards, I'm going to be vegan. No matter how many lives it takes, it it has no ability to decide that as an ethical um, uh, choice. Because instincts is what drives them. And so to the degree that if our lives, even if we have a human form, is completely controlled by instincts, then we can say, right? We even say that. Huh? You're behaving like an animal. But that's really what we mean. You know? Not that animals do not exhibit love you know, for their babies. Some do, some don't. But to be controlled by instincts. And so ignorance in that sense right? cannot make Ethical choices of not causing harm. That possibility is not there for them. Uh, then, in the three higher realms, in the human realm, uh, it's said to be uh, attachments or ambitions. Sometimes it's also said to be sloth. Kind of complacency. Eh, it's not so bad. Eh, it's not fantastic, but it's not so bad. Just kind of, kind of sloth, laziness. Uh, in the um, demigods, it's jealousy. And in the god realms, uh, it's pride. But no, you can't get to the God realm for being prideful. You also need to have a lot of good merit. But good merit that is mixed with a lot of pride. I am better than everyone. Here, here, here. I'll give donations, but I'm better than everyone. Here, let's feed more people, but I'm better than all of you that I'm feeding. Yeah, Let's build more hospitals so that people don't have to suffer, but I'm better than everyone. Pride. Mixed with merit born in the God realms. And then there they're also proud. And that pride can also be very subtle, but nonetheless always present. Which is, I don't get it. Why are y'all complaining? I don't get it. Why are you complaining? Why do you think things are bad? They're incapable of seeing other people's suffering. You know? Not necessarily because they're bad, but their their pride. Makes them blind to other people's needs, other people's suffering. So God realm. So, milarepa sere. And in the midst of this, in between, your helplessness to choose where you go in the next lifetime. There's no. You can't buy a definite ticket to this or that realm. And again, if you don't want to think of, you know, next life, even in this life, when you are, uh, let's say, you find yourself in the hell realm, right? You're very angry and resentful. As much as you want to get out, you're helpless. All of us have experienced being stuck and not able to move ourselves out of whatever emotional state that we don't want to be in. Completely helpless. Then we get tortured there until the causes for that exhaust. Meanwhile, we create a lot of seats for future repeats. (laughs) Sequels. Because the show has been so good. (laughs) So we plan our sequels. And then sometimes prequels. In between your helplessness to choose your destiny. So when these three conditions convene, grandma, look at the movings in your heart. Again, that means your hopes, your fears, when you when these two come together. Uh, The translation could be more literal in the sense it says look at your thoughts but i changed it to moving in your heart it, it the, the, the the original in the book that i based this on has it as a, look at the thoughts in your mind but i chose this because sometimes I, in 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 our way of thinking you know not in the buddhist way but in our way of thinking we th- we think that thoughts only refer to like kind of discursive thoughts. Right? But it's, it includes all the things like feelings, emotions, all of that is thoughts. Uh, again, mind then we think is the intellect, right? So I chose a more kind of, hopefully, a more evocative expression, movings in your heart. So your heart moves, right? it trembles. Right? Whether trembling with fear or excitement when these three conditions convene, come together, there's movings in your heart. And then you become, and this is what you have become, you have become an angry woman who detests the Dharma. So he says, but really, you should practice the Dharma by relying on a qualified teacher. One who will actually guide you one who will, like I said this morning, not be concerned about the eight worldly consents of praise, blame, fame, defame, pain, pleasure, gain, loss. Marpa could care less. And then Milarepa could care less. Thrown into the winds. Hard to find. But he like says, you have to find someone like that. Uh, then they can truly um, help us. When you were first betrothed to this family, did you ever dream you'd become an, an old nanny goat? <laughs> <laughs> so that must have, like, you know... I'm sure, you know, hit her like, whoa, like what just happened? Meaning, like you can imagine, like, and it says, you know, in this story that she was, you know, struck by that. Strong words, but like, yeah, what just happened in my life? Flashback to, you know, when she was first betrothed. So this tells us it's probably a wealthy family. But now, when she was a young bride, uh, more typical of most families in Tibet, uh, people don't have like formal weddings and betrothal and all that. Uh, Much more basic. Uh, There's no arranged marriage, again, unless uh, a wealthy family, unless wealthy families are involved. Majority, uh, a man and a woman will live together. And then over time, when kids appear on the scene, then people would just be like, oh, they're a family. That's it. There's no official marriage and all of that. So this tells us that, you know she, she, she comes from, you know, a wealthy family. And now probably yeah, in, still wealthy, you can see her having flashbacks too. The sweet wedding and when she was young and suddenly now an old nanny goat, <laughs> angry, you know, mm-hmm. bitter. Yeah. And then Milarepa continues. In the morning, you get up too early. And sometimes we all feel that. And in the evening, you go to bed too late. Too early in the morning. Waking, you know. In between, your housework is endless. (laughs) And she's thinking, that's true. (laughs) When these three conditions convene, grandma, Look at the movings in your heart. You're now just an unpaid maid. Yeah? That's all she's, you know, good for, so to say. Just a maid, not even paid. Really, you should practice the dharma instead. By relying on a qualified Lama, and perhaps then it won't have to be like this. Not that it won't have to be that uh, these situations won't occur, but you won't feel this way, more importantly. It's not saying that everybody who works, who wakes up early, goes to bed late, taking care of the family is an unpaid maid. But he's saying, you are probably feeling like that. But if you practice the Dharma by relying on a qualified teacher, then perhaps it won't have to be like this. Doesn't mean now you can sleep late and go to bed early. (laughs) Doesn't mean that when you practice the Dharma, then you'll be a paid maid. (laughs) But rather, you don't have to feel or experience it in this way. And then he goes on. The patriarch of the family is, is the most important one. Uh, is most the important one. <laughs> it's the most important one. Incomes and earnings are next most longed for. Uh, so in this kind of patriarchal society, you know, she's, he's saying, uh, your husband you know, is the most important one in this family next is incomes and earnings then sons and nephews are wanted most Uh, they are the ones that will defend uh, the interests of the family go out uh, and seek wealth for the family so when these three come together grandma, look at the movings in your heart for yourself, you have no share Uh, You're not one of these three. Really, you should practice the Dharma by relying on a qualified Lama. And then perhaps it won't have to be like this. So our condition might not be, we might not live in a household where the patriarch of the family is most important, and then incomes and earnings are second and then you know sons and nephews are third no matter how you kind of rearrange these things you know we find ourselves in situations where we feel you know i'm not part of this whether it's workplace or family or you know wherever Circumstances can be such that we feel, you know. Of course, this is a more extreme case of her. This is true to her condition, you know, probably very accurate to her condition. But but we, you know, even without being her, find ourselves in a situation where it feels like you know, I'm not valued. Yes, uh, if you speak of social justice and all of that. There's plenty of work to do there no denying that but we have to protect our own heart and our own happiness that's our first responsibility second responsibility then of course you know then go go fight for what's rightfully you know that you should get your deal you know especially if it's in a workplace or whatever. But first, protect your heart. Look at the movings in your heart. You're probably feeling that you have been treated unfairly. You're not valued as part of whatever it is. But if you practice the Dharma by relying on a qualified Lama, and perhaps then It won't have to be like this. The thief who gets your things by stealth, the robber who resorts to force, your fighting back turns out to be all in vain. Theft and robbery were quite real in this world in the 12th century. In Tibet, when these three conditions convene, Grandma, look at the movings in your heart. You are scorched with enemies when enemies are encountered. So these days we don't think we have enemies. Or maybe the last couple of days (laughs) we think we might have enemies. But generally, we don't, you know, the word enemy, we, we, we only treat it metaphorically. We say, oh, enemies. You know. Then you say, "You know, I, I, I don't. But basically, it's like, you know, you are scorched. You feel burnt. So angry. Who are enemies? Enemies are those who are standing in your way when you are trying to reach for something that you want. Whatever it is, were the people, were the conditions, were the things. So we would even lash out at an inanimate object that is standing in our way if we can't get what we want. People, conditions, things can be easily become enemies when our desires are f- being frustrated. When we cannot achieve uh, our desires. So whether because it was uh, secretly stolen from us, taken away from us, or openly uh, robbed, and we try to fight back, but to no effect. When that happens, our hearts are scorched, on fire. Really, you should practice the Dharma by relying on a qualified Lama. And perhaps then, it won't have to be like this. Then, gossip about other women and their manners interests you. The affairs of sons and nephews get your attention. And the babble on relatives and widows delights you. (laughs) Describing, you know... um, what's commonly seen right, in that culture. When these three conditions convene, when they come together, Grandma, well, whenever these tr- conditions come together, look at your heart. And it says, you've turned into an avid listener. <laughs> Normally, you don't, you know, I ah, could care less. But when these things are going on, ooh, <laughs> right? So whether we're literally grandma or not, we we have our own versions of that. So related to right now. So we go searching for things that kind of feed our fire. Become avid listener. This babble on relatives and widows, delights us. I said, but really, you should practice the Dharma. And then perhaps uh, it won't have to be like this. Uh, Here's talking about, you know, basically talking about things and other people that you, you can't really do anything about. And talking about it's not going to do anything. You no, know, if you're really concerned about the widows, you're really concerned about sons and nephews, there are things you can do. But to get caught up in all the sound bites, I guess it's really better to practice the dharma. Then perhaps. It won't have to be like this. Oh, now. <laughs> Talking about old age. To get up is like yanking a peg out of the ground. <laughs> With feeble legs, you wobble like a thieving goose. <laughs> Earth and stone seem to shatter when you drop into a seat. (laughs) You know, with a sense of humor, but it's so true. I think, you know, if we're lucky enough, I guess we'll get to that point where to get up, it's like yanking, right? So much effort we have to put into just getting up. It's like yanking a peg out of the ground. As my dad says, oh, your day is coming. <laughs> <laughs> if you're lucky, right? And then, well, lucky or not, who knows? But you know, meaning you 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 don't die before this happens. But when this happens, it's probably you're feeling this is not so lucky. I should have died already, maybe. <laughs> With feeble legs, you wobble like a thieving goose, right? Imagine a goose trying to steal something, you know? The Holy Bible refers to that as the evil days. The evil days, yeah. It's like, you know, you're like going wobbling, 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 you know? Trying to steal something. And then when you sit down, you know, it seems like the earth and stone is going to shatter. You know, kabrum. When these three conditions convene, Grandma... Look at the thoughts in your mind, which is what the original, so I didn't move all of it. Uh, You could change it if you want. Look at the movings uh, in your heart. You have no choice, but obey your sinality and weakness. Uh, You become being senile and weak. What choice do you have? You know? But really, you should practice the Dharma. Perhaps then, it won't have to be like this. You won't feel hopeless is what it's talking about here. You won't feel hopeless. Uh, the article that the Lama co-authored uh, and published before the elections, talking about his. Um, thought on why despite everything seemingly on one level people more people are educated now people are living longer now um, but yet ironically in the developed countries there is more paranoia and fear and, and anger and he says that it's because People feel unneeded. And one of the strongest ways of feeling unneeded in this culture is losing one's livelihood. Yes, there's the aspect of losing the ability to care for your own family, and that's devastating. But I think he meant it that more than that, it's not just that you have become Needed or in, not able to meet the needs of your family, but your own self identity seems to be obliterated when you don't have work. Mm. And um, so it's about another way to put it is helplessness. And self worth is so much anchored on being productive, right? The the Calvinist ethic Uh, being productive, being a productive citizen. Uh, Make yourself useful. We see how everybody is busy making themselves useful. There's a lot to be said about that, actually. There is a lot to be said about that. The level of volunteerism in this country, I think, partly comes from that. Make yourself useful. Don't just sit there. So there's a lot to be said about aspects of this, I feel. But then it comes at a price, you know, if we're not careful, which is you can only feel useful if you are doing something in that produces a materialist result, a materially based result. And other than that, you're not valued. In contrast, I see this in Still, but I don't know for how long, actually, so I don't want this to sound like it's an East-West thing, Asian and Western, but, but it's slower, this change. So in Asia, you can still see people with the attitude, because, like, for example, in Japan, that has changed. It changed after the Second World War, where productivity in order to rebuild their country after uh, the war was emphasized more than anything and everyone's identity is tied with their work uh, or, or men uh, women did not work outside of the homes that have changed but men's identity are always linked to work people will introduce themselves as you know I'm uh, Mr. Brown of the you know Honda Corporation you know <coughs> I'm Mr. Lee of the, you know, uh, you know, whatever, right? Company, that's the part of the identity. And older people, um, so just to make the point that this is not East-West, Japan has uh, some of the highest suicide rates among the elderly. Um, But in contrast, Tibetan society, till now, Uh, Older people don't, not such a strong feeling of being useless or no longer valuable. Uh, Not so much, you know, that, I mean, individuals might feel like that, but uh, due to their own personal circumstances, as a culture, that's not something that people consider to be the norm if, if that happens, it's more like, oh, something went wrong. Rather, a lot of the old people... Look at these pictures, actually. A lot of them are of older Tibetans. What do you see? Experience. Experience. Of prayer wheel in hand. Of course, they were attending uh, a prayer festival... But even when they're not attending prayer festival, sitting chatting with friends, yeah, this. But the fact is they're attending the prayer festivals that are organized like many times throughout the year. And all of them would gather, that's at the community center. And turn their prayer wheels and be with their friends and recite the mantra of compassion. Om Mani Peme Hum. Om Mani Peme Hum. Om Mani Peme Hum. Om Mani Peme Hum. Hold it and they're happy and content and they say now I can pray for the happiness of all beings earlier in my life I have to take care of my family I have to provide for my family I have no choice to practice I have no leisure I can only take care of my own family then. But now, I don't have to worry about my own family anymore. I don't have to just limit it to working endlessly for my own family. Now, I can think of all sentient beings. And this is meaningful. This. Even as simple as just turning this. As they go about, they are not... I also don't want to give the image that they are very spiritual and special, but there is something special. But in their day-to-day interaction with each other, perhaps catching up on gossip even, and perhaps their own version of, oh, did you hear about so-and-so? Oh, bless her heart. But while doing all of that, they have their prayer wheel. Uh, even in between engaging in less than skillful speech, yeah, their minds can get reminded. Turn the wheel of compassion. Turn the wheel of compassion. Turn the wheel of compassion. Yeah. They say, you know, now I'm done. I don't need to produce stuff anymore. I don't have to farm anymore. This is this is my time yeah, to benefit other beings by simply offering prayers. That's not quite here, you know. If you are older, you are admired if you live a "quote unquote" what No, no, no. Here in this country, you're admired. Successful. Well, when you're older, people admire you. Active life. Oh, look at her. She's so active. Look at him. He's so active. So we emphasize, you know, do, do, do. We don't say, oh, look at her, you know, praying. Only if you do. Then what, what, what about when you can't do anymore? Which is how nature takes its course. At a certain point, you can't do anymore. Then what? Then completely, you know. I think many people, or a number, I don't know, I think some people can make the transition, but many find it very hard to make that transition. No one's going to come and say, oh, wow, I really admire that you're praying for all sentient beings. You know? People can only say, oh, so pity, you know? She was so active. And then suddenly, da-da-da-da-da. So if 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 we just you know value being active, being productive and all of that uh, in our own the way we look at ourselves, then we will be exactly like this. You have no choice but to obey your sinality and weakness. But if you practice the dharma, then maybe. It doesn't have to be like this. That you can actually look forward to. Ah, don't need to do that anymore. Wrinkles crease your skin without. Your bones stand out sharply from your shrunken flesh. And between, you are turning senile, deaf, blind and dumb losing your mental faculties can't hear that well anymore can't see that well anymore no energy to speak anymore right so when these three conditions convene grandma look at the movings in your heart you're now a scowling old crone Really, you should practice the Dharma. Then your food and drink is cold and foul. Your coat is heavy and in rags. And your bed is so rough it tears your skin. Now, bear in mind that she's in a fairly well-to-do family. And this is not necessarily talking about the actual conditions that she's, you know, having to sleep uh, on rough bed. But it feels that way. So when these three conditions convene, Grandma, look at the movings in your heart. You think you're now half human and half dog. In this culture, dogs are kind of considered lowly. I don't know, what would we say here? Half human, half. (laughs) Rodent, Rodent, yes. (laughs) Snake. (laughs) But really, you should practice the Dharma by relying on the qualified Lama. And perhaps then it won't have to be like this. An opportune birth and liberation are rarer than stars seen in daytime. To be involved in samsara and descend to the lower realms is more common than your daily aches and pains, which is constant for her. At this miserable time when you are about to leave your body, grandma, look at the movings in your heart. Can you face death with confidence? That's the final question. Can you face death with confidence? Can we face death with confidence? Confidence in what? Confidence in knowing that we have done what can be done to free ourselves from afflictive emotions, from confusion, and to bring forth the Buddha qualities, and to rest in the confidence of the Buddha state. Then there is no birth and there is no death. Then you cut through birth and death like the earlier song. Really, you should practice the Dharma by relying on a qualified Lama. This sentence is missing the last line. Yes. Cancer. Right. It's, it's deliberate there. It's not an uh, editorial mistake. Um, it's not the last line. And perhaps then it won't have to be like this. Because at this point, it's like, you want to be certain in, a, in your death moment. There's no doubt in your mind. Death is certain. Nothing else is. So in that moment, the certainty of confidence that it's all going to be fine has to be there. <laughs> so so he believes, you know, he has his secret. and then later at his death, you know, Milarepa himself, you know, he says, you know, but like, he knows for sure. There's no doubt you know, that he's free. Okay? So the rest of it, the rest of that is there has this quality of, you know, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, but here, at the time of death, uh, it cannot be who knows. Because if who knows, that means you don't know. <laughs> then you know. Screwed. <laughs> So this is the song of nine meanings. Uh, as always, the basilica tells us it's time to conclude. So in the sadhana, Tomorrow we will continue with the recitation part. Uh, But now, let us turn to page 41 of this. Go to page 41. Forty one in the book in the smaller booklet <clears throat> the dedication prayers at the conclusion. <clears throat> so we'll do this together. As the conquerors and their heirs dedicated the virtues accumulated in the three times and the innately present virtue, I too follow in their steps and dedicate these virtues as means for attaining the great non abiding awakening. In the clear sky of Dharmadhatu, may the bondage of all migratory beings, the snake's knot of ego fixation, unravel itself, and attain the non-mentation innate co-emergence, the level of Dharmakaya Vajadara. May Lord Mila, the embodiment of the compassions of all conquerors, be my guru throughout all of my lifetimes, May I pacify the obstacles on the supreme and ordinary paths. And from within the state of luminosity, may I liberate migratory beings. 43. May the blessings of the root and lineage gurus gather like a heap of clouds, removing the sorrows of the realms of existence. May the cities of the idam deities shower like a perpetual rain increasing the harvest of benefit and joy. May the activities of the Dakinis flash swiftly like lightning, dispelling the darkness of obstacles by the Maras. May the the power of the Dharma Palace shower like a rain of Vajra fire, annihilating the hostile army of misleaders. May the splendor of blessings of the drops of the elixir of the whispered lineage of Dorje The crown jewel of hundreds of siddhas shine brightly as the glory of the beings in the three realms, completely eliminating the darkness of samsara. So this text is based on an older text called The Drops of Elixir of the Whispered Lineage, this meditation text. Uh, which is said that the goddess, uh, the Tashi Seringma, gave to um, the first Shasang, uh, Rebuche. So tomorrow we will continue um, at 10. Uh, If you are going to join us, and if you can, bring some kind of uh, food offering, that can be easily shared uh, even just a fruit you know something like that um it's there's a there's a feast offering associated with this text uh but we're not going to do it you know in the style what we normally do where there's plenty of food and all of that but just you know if you can bring something uh that we will even just have a plate you know Uh, it could also be a liquid like juice or something like that um then we can offer that as part of this text, part of this practice. There's a talk associated with this. Thank you for listening to the Urban Dharma NC podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, We hope you'll consider supporting our mission to foster a deeper understanding of the teachings of the Buddha, to build meaningful community, and to integrate contemplative teachings into everyday life. We invite you to make a donation online at udharmanc.com or make a purchase at our store, tibetanspirit.com. Thank you. May all beings benefit.